The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. We might as well just call this week the Greg Smith Week because I'm going to be relying on Greg, our recruiting, I'm going to steal Aaron's term, wizard, to uh, to do a lot of the <laughs> the heavy lifting on this podcast this week because recruiting uh, is open again and the floodgates have opened along with it and we are in a unprecedented really new kind of silly season greg hello how are you i am very well i will take the recruiting wizard um title i I greatly appreciate it um but i'm good i'm busy um but it's a fun time i talked to you earlier this week um, on the side and said there are a lot of weird things happening a lot of things happening in general but i'm glad that it's all back um and the job is like in its fully fun um form right now it's a good thing that you find this entertaining and not exhausting because (laughs) (laughs) if you didn't find this fun it would get you'd get worn down pretty quickly this is uh they they i mean nebraska i mean everybody has done this but you know we talk about nebraska so let's focus on nebraska they hit the gate they hit the ground running right out of the gate yeah they really did i mean the very first day that they could do anything on tuesday right at 9 a.m um they had jake applegate from lincoln southeast um really good athlete in the 2022 class on campus for a private workout um he did very well and got a scholarship offer right away uh before he headed up to camp at minnesota where he then also picked up a scholarship offer um and so they wasted no time in really getting things running um and taking full advantage of everything that can be done now that uh, private workout thing is something that I want to talk to you about in a little bit. But first, a couple of housekeeping notes. Get subscribed to HillVarsity.com so that you make sure that you get the yearbook. Greg has a story in there. Jacob has a story in there. Aaron has a story in there. I have a story in there. Brandon and Mike both have stories in there. This is our, uh, this is our showcase piece. You can read about comedian Cam and uh, whatever Greg wrote about. Do you want to plug what you wrote about? Um, I, wore, I wrote about the concept of borderless <laughs> recruiting. Um, that you wrote about recruiting. You wrote about recruiting. Wow. Shocker. Totally threw me off. Yeah. I, yeah. I wrote about recruiting. I, I'm sure you guys are like just shocked and surprised. I am shocked. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really interesting topic that I think that we all kind of assumed over the last year that recruiting would become like really hyper locally focused. Um, and what we really found was it did not like it did in a way for Nebraska's 2021 class. But I actually think that that was more based on just the amount of talent that was in the region. Uh, but we've seen so many schools from all over the country coming into this region that don't normally recruit. So I talked to some people about that concept. 
It's a good story. I'm sorry for catching you off guard. Get, <laughs> get, get subscribed to hailvarsity.com. Hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Get the yearbook. You don't have a lot of time left, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. The other thing, Greg Smith has his own podcast, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. So make sure wherever you're listening to this, because you should be subscribed to this one on whatever podcast service you use, go search up Straight Up Breakdown podcast right now. Hit subscribe. Leave them a five-star rating. Leave them a review. It's really good. Highly recommended. And then subscribe or just give a listen. Let's just start there. Just give a listen. Give a, give a, give a chance to all of the other Hail Varsity podcast offerings. You can go to hailvarsity.com backslash network to find all of that stuff. And if you're not subscribed to this show, please do. It helps a lot. Um, Greg, if you were to have a song playing during your retirement ceremony, what song would you choose that people would be clapping horribly to in the background? Oh man, honestly, the very first song, and I'm not even sure why that popped into my mind is Without Me by Halsey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, um, but yeah, so let's just go with that just because it was the very first song that popped in my head. And uh. Would clap badly to that. You, so, so like what you're saying is like you built the game up, and it's going to be nothing without you. Like <laughs> That's you, gave, right. you gave this game everything you had. The game <laughs> being recruiting services, recruiting wizardry. You gave it all you had, but it's time to hang up the cape, I guess, Doctor Strange style. I like it. Yeah, I just put my all pen right. down. Yeah. All right. I like like I, the Coach K thing was. I, I couldn't get to the music because I couldn't get past the fact that nobody knows how to clap on beat. This is a thing. I, and, and it's not wrong. It's a specific, it's a specific group of people, Greg. It's a specific <laughs> group of people. We don't know how to clap on beat to anything. We don't. I mean, I don't understand I why gonna I was going to let you do it, but yeah, it's very much a specific group of people, but it's also, it's just, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that people embrace it. Like, I feel like most people know, right. That they're not, uh, well, hopefully that they know that they're not on beat and no one else around them is on beat. So everybody just goes with it. Like it is just like kind of a fun thing to see um, because it does happen consistently. It's because you figure out that you're behind or that you're ahead and then you, you overcorrect. So like this happens when my wife and I are, you know, jamming to music in the car or something like that. Like they will be, you know, she's off tempo a little bit from me and I'm off tempo a little bit from the song. And so it just sounds weird. We just don't, we, we got to work on musical ability. I mean, you guys will get there. That's like, all I'll say. I, I, hope, I hope you make it someday without me by halsey will be greg's uh sign off <laughs> moment i was not expecting you to go the halsey route that's uh okay solid i keep you on your toes with my musical selections solid well i know that you love halsey uh we both love halsey we have yeah. uh you just got a soft spot for her in our heart she's awesome and i was not expecting and she is a noted Lakers fan. Okay, here's another thing that I would like to complain about. I'm gonna use I'm gonna use this I'm gonna use this opportunity to complain about something because I complained about something on your last podcast that you had me on. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it a thing. <laughs> okay. um, when did it become socially acceptable to start calling people on the internet that we've never met before besties? Who who did that? 
Have you not seen this? This is a thing. This is a thing with like my generation and people younger than me. And I do not understand it. So it, it actually came to my attention because, you know, Halsey has her Lakers specific Twitter account, right? Where she <laughs> yeah, just talks about hilarious. basketball. <laughs> yeah. And you know, because you follow, because you pay attention to Halsey and her music, you know, the kind of following that she has, right? Yeah. The specific demographic that her music is targeted to. People are following this basketball Lakers account asking her to explain basketball. And I saw a tweet uh, in, her, in her replies that she she like quotes me. She's like, you're asking me. So the, the person was like, hey, Bestie, can you please uh, explain these basketball terms in non-basketball terms? Thank you. And Halsey was like, you're asking me this on my basketball account. And the person was like, I just want to follow along, Bestie, but I don't want to watch the game. And so all of it infuriated me. Like you what you you can't explain basketball stuff in non-basketball terms if you don't want to watch the game. You don't deserve to know that. First of all, that's that's the first thing. The second thing, this is a person that's never met Halsey before. Why are we calling people besties on the internet that we've never met before? The the term best friend implies that they are the closest to you of all of your friends. The person that you have never met cannot be your friend. And if you just go around calling everyone besties, it completely dilutes the term best friend. I did not have like on my things that I thought would happen on this podcast today. I could not have envisioned that you would go on a rant about people calling each other's besties. I was I um, was not prepared to do this, but when you brought up Halsey, it 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 tra- it fired the thing in my brain where I remembered this because it bothered me greatly. I, I see that. We all see that. Um, it is weird. It's definitely weird. Like, I don't understand. And I feel like that probably is a, like, celebrity thing at that. Like, I'm trying to think, like, if it was just another, like, regular oh, it's a Gen joke. Z thing. It's a Gen Z thing. Is I it? See it on, it's, it's, I see it on TikTok all the time. It's a Gen oh, Z boy. thing. It's, it's and, it, and, like, people a little younger than me. Yeah, it's, I don't, it, it's like, it's like an overcorrection of, like, there's just a lot of, vitriol on social media this feels like the overcorrection to that of trying to be like super nice and i guess that makes me a jerk for hating on it (laughs) but i I mean i'll accept my lot in life i'm kind of an a-hole so so it's different than calling somebody like be like hey buddy to like say that like it's a bestie like that's what it's that's weird well i call i I say hey bud i call people bud yeah now you got me thinking that maybe that's just this is that I'm just, you know, this is just the generational cycle of one generation poo-pooing on the generation younger than them. Oh no, we've reached that age. Huh? Is that like, what I'm doing right now? Maybe. I think so. I think you just officially crossed the threshold. <sighs> Welcome. That means I'm old. Yeah. Well, it happens to the best of us. That means I'm old. Wow. Gross. Okay. Um, <laughs> recruiting. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, I mean, just, just, let's just start here. Set the stage for where Nebraska is at right now in terms of building this 2022 class is Nebraska is Nebraska behind in terms of class. I mean, class ranking doesn't, it's at this point in time, I don't know, maybe you would argue that it matters, but maybe it's more of a benchmark maybe it doesn't matter like i guess just just set the stage for where we're at right now with nebraska are they behind do they feel like they're behind do you feel like they're behind or is it something where it's like everybody has just been in this 
holding pattern for recruiting to open up again. And now we can actually kind of get to all of the things on our checklist that we need to get to. Yeah, I would. First of all, I would tell you your first point. I would say that it does not right now recruiting rankings and where a team is ranked nationally doesn't matter um, for 95% of the schools out there, unless you are one of those handful of teams that are in that chase for like the best class in the nation. I don't think that it all that much matters because it's going to fluctuate so much because I think you're going to see a lot of shifts and changes when it comes to kids' ratings as the year goes on, um, just because they haven't been really evaluated all that much. So like, and it, it relates to something that, um, goes into what you're saying about people or whether or not Nebraska is behind or not. I get asked now daily, why is it that Nebraska has so many like three stars coming in for visits? Or why does it always seem like they're only in on three stars? And I think that the honest answer to, to some of that is that basically a lot of kids right now are three stars until they get deeper evaluations. Like I think a lot of that stuff is going to change. So I would not worry that much about that. So the bigger question of if is Nebraska behind uh, maybe a smidge like I, they only have two commitments at this point comparatively speaking to the rest of the big 10 specifically the big 10 west they are not behind they're right on par with what the other teams in their division are doing which is where you need to start looking first and foremost um but they would like to get further ahead through this summer with 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 everything that is going on right now and i think that this next month or so six weeks is going to be huge for them starting with this weekend when they have eight official visitors coming in um because i just think that now you saw a huge pause in commitments because people knew that the end of the dead period was coming um and rightfully so that's a smart thing to have happen um and then i think after these first waves of official visitors you're going to see a big wave of commitments and that's when we'll really be able to see is Nebraska actually behind or not. So what does this initial wave of visitors look like? Like who's who's coming to campus? Yeah. Um, so Nebraska was, like I said, Nebraska has eight official visitors uh, coming in for this first weekend, the June 4th weekend. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, they have a tight end, Chase Androff, who's coming in from Minnesota. There is an offensive lineman, Ashton Craig, who's coming in from Indiana. A uh, defensive lineman from Arkansas, Nico Davalier, Balin Erickson, an offensive lineman from Chicago. Shout out to Chicago, so you know he's tough. Um, a defensive lineman, Jalen Marshall from Overland Park, Kansas. A receiver, Landon Sampson, out of South Lake, Texas. Uh, quarterback, Richard Torres, also out of Texas. And probably the headliner of the weekend, Justin Williams, a four-star running back out of Georgia. The Husker found their last running back um, last class. Gabe Irvin out of Georgia are hoping to kind of strike gold down there a second year in a row. You got Ronald Tompkins out of Georgia as well. Yep, Quentin Newsom out of Georgia as well. Caleb Tanner Deidre, out of Georgia. Deidre, Deidre Mills. Mills was a Georgia guy, wasn't he? I'm just thinking running backs in particular. Ryan. Ellis oh, just running back. Like be, yeah. Planning his flag down there. Did they get anybody in the 20, the 20 class out of Georgia? I'm not off the top of my head, but that's because who are the 20? No, because it was Scott and Savion. Yeah, right, right. In the so, 20 so, class. So, and they were, so that was Florida yeah. and Oklahoma. Yeah. So yep. still, still well. Um, also, don't don't rag on three stars. Cam Taylor Britt was a three star. 
Oh, I say this all the time. And it's funny. He's the guy that I always used as an example of why like fans should never go too crazy about where a guy is rated coming into the program because you honestly never know. Like I've, I've said this many times, Cam Taylor Britt picked Nebraska over Troy in Missouri um, and had never played his position before. So you just never know. <laughs> also, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Gabe Irvin was a three-star, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And yeah, has and he's a starter now. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy a lot of people are like, hey, this could be the starter. Right. Um, yeah, sometimes, I, I mean, I don't want to like hate on recruiting services because they are incredibly valuable, as is the service that you provide. That being said, the like national recruiting services, like got to have people to get to all those guys to evaluate them. So just because a guy yeah. is a three-star, it doesn't mean that it's because he's, you know, not all three-stars are created equal is just sort of my view on it. No, and I think that once you get into like a lot of three-star recruiting, it also becomes really, really important that that specific player fits the system that you run. So if you think about some of Nebraska's peers, right? Like who knows when the last time like Northwestern had a good recruiting class, they recruited a lot of three stars, the same as Wisconsin, Iowa, um, some of the other schools in the conference that do really, really well recruit a lot of three stars. And the reason that they're successful with that, hey, they're very good at development, but they're also very good at finding guys that really fit their system. And it's how like teams like Wisconsin on their offensive line have essentially the same kid. Like it always looks like it's the same player playing these spots along the offensive line for Wisconsin and the vast majority of them are three stars that have been developed uh fun fact and the only reason I know this is because I looked it up for a story a couple weeks ago and remember it you 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 asked when was the last time Northwestern had a good recruiting class the last class they had that was ranked higher than 47th and 247th composite was in 2001 yeah and that was 26th good (laughs) over this last stretch of time so yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, so speaking of three stars, let's talk a little bit about Greg's guys because yep. the new number one in Greg's guys is a quarterback who supplants the last number one, who was also a quarterback. The Richard Torres versus MJ Morris debate kind of heated up, depending on when you're listening to this, you know where MJ Morris is going. Um, Greg, why do you have Torres as your, as your number one on this list? What do you like about him? Yeah, I think that the, there are a couple of things, there are more than a couple of things to like about Torres. I think first, the thing that, that stands out to you is his size. Um, so standing at 6'6", 210, 215, um, he's got really good size. He's got a really strong arm. I think that, you know, one of the things that jumped out to people about Henrik Harburg, um, that when we got to see him in the spring was A, the, the same two things. It was the size and the arm strength. And I think that Torres has some of those same traits. Um, I don't think that he's as athletic as Harburg is. Um, who we're just going to keep referring to as sneaky athletic forever just because it's fun. Um, Shouts to him. Um, And so, but Torres is a good prospect. I am surprised that he is not a little bit more on the radar. Like I thought that he would blow up a little bit more um, and maybe that will happen over this month. I, I, I suspect that the Huskers are hoping that he does not necessarily blow up because that means that he continued to go out um, and work out for teams and go to other camps and all of that. Um, but I think Nebraska really, really likes him. And I think that he's the top back on their board at this point. Well, if we, if we can learn anything from like the Jaron Kanak situation, it doesn't take very long for your recruitment to explode right now. 
so and especially with the, the the private workouts thing going on, especially with camp starting up again, Nebraska's going to have open ones for the public and four of them over the next couple of weeks. Um, with with stuff open again, you might see maybe a um, a, a high percentage of players or a higher than normal percentage of players experiencing that kind of like rapid explosion in their recruitment maybe would you agree with that yeah i do yeah i definitely think that you're going to see that because there are just so many and, and it's something that stuck with me that uh bellevue west head coach mike huffman said to me for a story a couple of weeks ago well actually it's for it was partly for my yearbook story actually but we were talking about some other stuff and that you know there are several players in the 2022 class that he has and that so other coaches do too that schools just haven't seen in over a year. And these are high school athletes that what happens to you in high school, you naturally grow, right? And so if you have, you know, you the last time that Scott Frost was at Bellevue West High School, there's a kid, I promise you, that was like 5'11", maybe six foot. Um, it didn't weigh all that much. And now he's like completely blown up. Um, and he's someone who, who could be on the radar. Like that's happening all over the place. So it'll be fun to see that as these camps start to happen and schools get to work with kids again. I think that's stuff's going to happen a lot. It's funny you mentioned Kanak um, and it kind of ended for Nebraska and his pursuit, but he did, by the way, get that Clemson offer. Mm -hmm. um, people are still wondering what happened with him. He did go down there on the very first day that it was possible, do the private workout and got the offer from for, from Clemson. I do still expect him to end up in Clemson's, offer, in Clemson's class, but he had a, just a meteoric rise. It's really amazing. Um, back to Torres for a second. He's six foot six. Harvard yep. was six six as well. Is that is this the start of a trend for them? Is this an adjustment for them that back to back? I mean, because Harburg was one of their. I mean, he he signed with Nebraska. He was obviously an important piece for them. And now here's Torres, who you have as as number one on your Greg's guys list, number one on their board, who is also big and has a cannon as opposed to like an Adrian Martinez type who can do both. It seems like these last two guys are, are throwers who can run. And we said the same thing kind of about Logan Smothers, but he doesn't have the same size profile as these, as these two guys. Is this reading too much into it? Or is this maybe, do you think the start of an adjustment or a trend for them? I think it's reading too much into the size. I am more intrigued by the arm talent and the style of quarterback, right? Like I, I am kind of, because if you think about it too, one of the other guys that Nebraska really liked in last year's recruiting class was Peter Costelli, who was a really similar quarterback um, to Harburg, um, really strong arm, big kid, well put together. Um, and so maybe, I, I'll be curious then on what happens with 2023 um, quarterback recruiting is that if you see a little bit of a shift to guys that are more throwers first but can also run um i do think that 23 will be the year that we kind of see if, if that's the way that they're leading but i don't know if it necessarily has anything to do with the size so right now it's just a coincidence that both of those guys happen to be have the same listed height um another big recruiting development in this opening weekend nebraska has a five-star a former five-star kid uh on campus they had, had him on campus what can you tell me about that what can you tell us about that yeah so tyreek johnson is who you're talking 
about. He was a five-star recruit in the 2018 recruiting class and signed with Ohio State. Um, and I, I'm laughing because it's 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 really it's interesting how these things happen at different schools, right? So at Ohio State, you can lose a, a former five-star kid that did not play all that much for you, and another school like Nebraska's fan base, and I've seen this already with reporting this, like, oh, well, he didn't really play at Ohio State, so what, what would he do at Nebraska? And I'm like, well, I want you to go back and look for a second. Like, the year that he redshirted, I think that there were three guys from Ohio State secondary that got drafted in the first round. I think that was that year. And then they have corners go in the first round every single year after that. It's not like he was just, like, sitting the bench behind nobody's like these are guys that are getting paid to play quarterback in the nfl now um so let's put let's get that out there first and foremost but you may not know how these things turn out um which maybe he you know would come to nebraska or wherever and struggle but it's still a big deal that nebraska is in on him because one anybody that has been a former five star is going to get the attention it's why we're talking about it right now but also it says something i think even bigger about what nebraska's priority in the transfer portal this offseason is the two names that nebraska has really been heavily linked to i think so far this offseason have both been quarterbacks it's been tyreek johnson who uh, well as we're recording this is still here on a visit recorded on thursday um, um, a Caleb Evans, um, the cornerback. Tulsa kid. Yeah, from Tulsa, who I think they think is going to end up playing in the NFL. Problem is, is that after um, Evans was offered by Nebraska, I think Texas and Notre Dame and a handful of others um, like that came in right after that. So it's just going to be tough to grab him out of the portal. Um, but it corner seems to be a real point of emphasis. And I feel like I had been banging the drum on corner being a priority for Nebraska before this offseason. I thought that, that that it would have been, even for last recruiting cycle, been something because I just thought that I think that Nebraska's defensive backroom overall is talented, but opposite Cam Taylor Britt at corner, I just think it's unproven. Like, I think that there are guys to really like, and I think that Quentin Newsom, Braxton Clark, Nadab Joseph um, are all good. Timon Lynham are, are guys, Timon Lynham are guys to like but you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. So if you could get another guy that you might be able to put into the mix opposite Cam Taylor Britt, that might be something that you would explore. And they are exploring that at this point. Um, okay. So I, it's, I mean, you're not the first person that has said, yeah, the defensive back should be a priority on the, the, the transfer portal trail. Um, I just don't know what the return on investment is there. That's, that's the thing that I'm kind of hung up on because if you just look at, and I know last year was a weird year, but if you just look at the snaps distributed throughout the secondary last year, I've got them pulled up. DiCaprio, mm -hmm. Budo, Mark Caleb, Deontay Williams all played North of 500 snaps. Caleb, uh, Cam Taylor Britt would have gotten there. If not for the, the two targeting ejections, he was at, he was just under 470. Um, the next highest DB Quentin Newsom played 147 roughly around there. I mean, you're going to get variations depending on who's giving you the snap information, but around there. Um, so we're talking about like 500 and then a drop off to like the guys playing 15, a game, 20, a game, something like that. Um, miles farmer played 89 snaps. Noah Polo Gates played seven. So like 
that's your, those are your number uh, three and four safeties. So just kind of thinking about this and, and I mean, like, you know, where else are they going to go with those scholarships? That's the other question. So like, why not add one to the defensive back room? If you can find a former five-star talent that wants to join. Um, if, if like the kid is like, Hey, I want to come to Nebraska. I'm not going to be like, Nope, no, nah, they don't want you. Um, that's not the point, but <laughs> you can't get experience unless you play. Right. And when you've got a situation where you've got Cam Taylor Britt, who should be one of the better corners in the conference, and then you've got two super senior safeties who've played a lot of football in Nebraska. They know each other very well. There's a lot of chemistry there. That seems like the perfect environment almost for a new guy that has potential, that you like, that you're high on, that has kind of been built up through your system to get a shot on the field to play. I mean, am, am I wrong in thinking that? I mean, because like the assumption would be that he's got sort of a, a safety net behind him. No, I don't think that you're wrong. I do I do picture a situation where whoever that other corner is, I, I feel like right now it's Quentin Newsom. It's Quentin yeah. Newsom that that guy is going to be picked on a lot, like, or he's going to be, I'd picked on maybe, it may be tested would be the way to describe it immediately because they're not gonna you already know that cam taylor Britt's a playmaker over there so you don't want to throw to him i i would be it would be, i think it would be interesting though because what you say about the safeties is a point well taken though because you can roll your coverage you can figure stuff out you can try to keep jojo dome into that side whatever like you can do all sorts of things um to try and help that out um but i do think that if it, it sounds it almost sounds weird, though, when you say, and I think that you're right in saying this, is where else do you go with those scholarships that are available? And they have two, um, the Huskers do, still available. But I just don't know if you're, if Nebraska just isn't in the position where they say the best player available, and hopefully it's a corner, is where we go with these two remaining spots. And I know that a lot of people want them to at running back, Um but I, I'm not sure that they feel like they have a deep evaluation of the running backs that they have right now, given what happened in spring. This is kind of the problem with having such a young team. And I mean, this is, this is one of the things that I question about at corner as well. And it applies to running back because they have five of their six scholarship running backs have freshman eligibility. Um, if you bring a new guy in, you're going to lose a guy from the room. So if you bring in, the Johnson kid from Ohio state. If he says, Hey, I want to come. Nebraska's like, cool. We want you. What does, what does Quentin Newsom do? What does Braxton Clark do? If Newsom does have kind of the lead on that job and Clark was the number two, even after kind of everything that he's gone through so far in Nebraska, because I believe he was the 2018 class guy, I think 2018 or 2019. He's been here a couple of years um, yeah, and he's behind Newsom. And then they bring in, a new guy on the transfer portal who's still got two or three years of eligibility. Um, suddenly Braxton Clark is, is now back down to number three. Maybe you lose him. So are you gaining anything? I mean, you're gaining somebody that you feel comfortable with at the top of the depth chart, but you might be, you know, breaking even in terms of depth. So, and, 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 you know, like, like we've both said already, like, where else are you going to go with those? I don't really know. If you bring in a, another running back, I think you're assuredly going to lose somebody. Um, 
I don't know. It's just an interesting position to be in. And they've got a couple of walk-on guys that uh, probably are going to go on scholarship too. So um, there's some machinations that, uh, that have to be at play over the next, the next few months. Yeah. And I just think that like, and you, I think that it, it is also a word to the wise. I just think that just because they signed someone out of the portal doesn't mean that guy's going to come in and start right away. And that would be a word to both fans and to the players that are already on the team, right? Because if you think, well, about yeah, Nadab Joseph is number three right now. Yeah, but he's on the like, and we started off just talking about Newsom and Clark as guys that are like battling for that spot. But Joseph, in theory, is in that running too. I think he is behind those two, um, and so you just never know. And I think that either way, like either way. If you're a guy on the team and you're thinking, okay, well, they're looking at somebody for my spot, your opportunity to impress and still get that spot is still there. Like that would go for both cornerback and for running back. Um, I think the opportunities are still there, especially at running back. I just think that that running back situation is wide open. I do not anticipate you're going to ask me who I think is starting at running back. We've talked about this a couple of times, and every time I change my answer, I'd probably change it again. Um, but it's just like, it's just so wide open to me, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good point that just because the guy's at it doesn't mean he walks in with a guarantee that he's a starter. Um, it doesn't mean that he walks in and performs at a starter level. Um, we've seen, uh, I mean, Travis Fisher in particular has no issues with replacing a guy, uh, if he feels he's not performing. Um, and, 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 and I mean, too, like, you know, depth is good. So add some depth um they're just they're they're in that they're in that really unique period right now where they've because they had to turn over the roster so much they've got a lot of um young players or inexperienced players that they probably want to see on the field to see what they have but they're also entering year four without a winning record at this point and they need to start producing some wins so they're kind of they're kind of in that weird in between range where they're like, okay, we we need to see what we've got with some of these guys, but we also like can't afford the growing pains that come with seeing what we've got with these guys. Right, and you're hopeful. I bet if you're the staff, you're just really hopeful that you had you'd come out of it or come out had come out of spring with a couple of these positions a little bit more settled on feeling like you knew what you had and and some of those guys too, because that would have helped a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I, we got a really interesting mailbag question this week that I want to ask you. Um, why the, the, this is the question, why not put a cap of one five-star signee per class per FBS team as a way to promote parity throughout college football? So this, this, uh, questionnaires kind of thought process, look at the playoff teams, four and five-star hall per class compared to those not in the playoffs to see an advantage and tell me that it has nothing to do with stars and them wanting NFL spotlight. I mean, it's, you know, the best players go to the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Ohio States because those teams play for the playoffs every year. And, and it has become this situation where unless you're going to those teams, your path to the playoff isn't, isn't easy. Um, particularly if you're picking a PAC 12 school or I guess a big 12 school that isn't Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you think of of putting a cap of of one five star per team i mean 
that's really tough. I think that the, I, the coaches, I think, that are getting all of these five stars would not love that. Um, and I actually, I wrote about this not too long ago, so I do have this stats of things that you have committed to memory, um, that five schools in last recruiting cycle signed 62% of the five stars available. Like, so, I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of parity there. Um, when you look at that, I think it's something like, you know, 80 something percent of Alabama's classes over the last handful of years um, are four and five star talent. But the thing that I just thought of, too, that I wish I thought of earlier uh, when, we were talk when we were filling out the mailbag is, OK, so let's say that happens. Who's controlling whether or not a kid gets rated as a five star? at that point so like the kid because this happens all the time and this was it almost happened last year right with thomas fedoni right when he was trying to become a five star he wanted to be a five star and a lot of people thought he was going to be he stayed as a really high four star um so if he had gotten bumped up at the very end does he suddenly not get to go to say lsu or alabama because of that now obviously he's at nebraska um and so it wouldn't have mattered he would have been nebraska's one five star but that would create a, a different logistical nightmare too. Um, but I just ultimately think that it's unfair to the kids. Like, I just don't think that it would be fair to, you know, that second five-star running back that wants to go to Alabama, which sounds crazy to be five-star running back that wants to go to Alabama, but it's not fair to him that he can't go to the school he wanted to go to because they already had one five-star in the class. So yeah, it's definitely- it's definitely opening a can of worms uh, when you talk about restricting where a player can and cannot attend college. Um, but it's like, it's, it's interesting in that it is a solution proposed for a problem that doesn't seem to have an easy solution. And I mean, like the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world will tell you that it isn't a problem because they're the ones benefiting from it. But right. you know, like 2017 UCF, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, the teams that have been left out of the college football playoff, despite having a strong enough resume to get in, they'll tell you, yeah, it's a problem. Like we need to be in the playoffs. And and so one of the first places that people point to is we need to create more of a level playing field in, in recruiting. Do you think that there is, you don't have to give me a solution, but do you think that there, there will come a time in the next, you know, five to 10 years where this thing starts to maybe smooth out, level out, even out across the college football landscape? No, I, I don't no. think that that's, no. no, I don't think that it's, I don't think that that's going to change. And I think that some of, it's interesting because on one hand you could say, well, yeah, like 21 of 34 five-star players last year went to, I think it was Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, and that maybe LSU, the five schools, they got 21 five-stars. But at the same time, like those schools are also, they all have two things in common. They're all winning at a very high rate. And so those kids are able to go there and win and enjoy winning in their college football experience. And they're also producing a high number of NFL players too. So like if those are like two of the three big things along with education that are, you know, driving these decisions for kids, then they should not be restricted to go to these schools because they're doing the mission or the thing that they promised these parents when they, you know, sat in their living rooms. I understand why, like, if you're not even to go with Nebraska, if you're a fan of Michigan State, 
why you might think that maybe we should do something to um, correct the parity in the sport when it comes to talent acquisition. Like I would get that. Um, but I don't think that if you're an Ohio State fan, you would be pushing for that. Well, I think, I mean, the other thing that that comes into play big time is location. I mean, we were talking about where's Nebraska going to get its running backs with Ryan Hill. They're going to Georgia. Those players are there. Like that's where they already are. So if, you know, those schools are going to the playoff every year and they're in their parents' backyard, it's so much easier to pick that school. If Michigan state was going to the playoff every year, Michigan state probably has a a better chance of, of pulling some of those kids away from home. And so like, like I just, this problem I feel like trying to correct it on the recruiting side is like attacking it from the wrong end. I think it's got to be addressed by the playoff committee and conferences themselves. Um, You know, first of all, you need to schedule as a, as a conference, you need to schedule those marquee games more often. You don't need to be playing schools like Fordham. Um, You need to, I mean, you need to be playing big time schools so you can one have visibility in those places and two so that you can have I mean we saw this with Big Ten baseball non-conference games matter when you're picking you know who's going to play in tournaments and who's going to play in end of in 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 postseason and things like that non-conference matters it matters a lot um and and then the other thing is you're probably going to get playoff expansion here in the near future there needs to be there just needs to be a concerted effort from the committee to not just include the same five teams every single year. You need yeah, to start think, adding. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I do think that, I think that that's a bigger problem yep. to be honest within the sport than like where recruits are going. Um, yep. it, it, because it does feel like anymore that we get the same handful of schools in the college football playoff every year. And I think though, I honestly think that the solution for that is not necessarily say, hey, committee, go pick different teams. If they earned it, they earned it. But they just need to expand the field because then that way it it gives you something else to to root for. But it also just, and sorry to Alabama, it, in, in Clemson is the same way with this too. It gives them more of a chance for them to be upset um, before the championship so we don't get Alabama versus Clemson part 72, um, which I feel like we'll, we're on the collision course again for or within the next couple of years um so i just i think that that's the bigger problem in the sport yeah and alabama clemson national championship year after year after year is not good for the sport and it's not something that i think can be addressed by changing recruiting it has to be addressed by when there's a coastal carolina or when there's a ucf an unbeaten ucf you have to give them a chance they might get blasted 49 to 7 but guess what ohio state got blanked a few years ago as a playoff team like that stuff happens like the first yeah, I mean, the first round, the, the semifinal games haven't all been competitive. So if you add a Coastal Carolina, if you add a UCF one year, you add one of those teams and then all of a sudden everything changes. But, you know, it's it it's going to help. Well, Greg, you got stuff to go do on the recruiting trail. You got a busy week, busy next few months it sounds like uh, as brian held has a busy time you have a busy time as well thank you for taking some time and coming on this podcast i really appreciate having you on hey thanks for having me i'm, I'm happy to join and give you my recruiting wizardry uh, <laughs> <laughs> your halsey walkout music maybe that's maybe that's the music that we need to play now every time you're on this podcast to close us out we need to have without me playing instead of the, the normal music to play so that might be a an adjustment that we have to make Thank you.
I like it. We will be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading HaleVarsity.com, like always. And like I said in the beginning, subscribe to get the magazine. You want to get the yearbook. So subscribe. HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. We'll talk to you guys next week. Huda Media Production.